This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, I think with Zach, it's really exciting because I see a lot of uh, ability in him. And so you see a high ceiling and and so and, and a desire to work and get better. And, and so um, it's exciting to work with a guy like that where you see all this potential down the road. Similar to how I felt about Tyler Conklin, you know, three, four years ago. Uh you know, you want to see that development happen, and it's going to. And with Johnny, it's fun because he was in this system. So there's times where I'm leaning on him to tell me what he what he's feeling or seeing because he knows it better than I do. Yes, Judd's guy Johnny Mund is the straw that stirs the KOC offensive I, cocktail. I'm guessing the first one was Zach Davidson. Correct. That yeah. he was talking about, followed by, yep, Detective Johnny Mund, who sounds like he yeah. should be in in a novel of some sort, the Johnny Mund novels. He's on he's on the case. Yes. This the third is third book, Johnny Mund finds the rogue cornerback. This is Mackie and Judd Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate, which means we bring in our friend from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, the Scoop Podcast. He is Darren Doogie Wolfson with inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. What's going on, Dukes? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. I'm doing okay. Have not taken my psychedelic drugs quite yet today, but I'm okay. doing pretty darn well. Dugs of Earth is his new Instagram handle. I've heard Dugs of Those Earth. Psychedelic drugs. That's fantastic. It, it's always hilarious when like these blue collar, you know, these Packers reporters, the, these blue collar sort of meat and potatoes guys, try to ask Aaron Rodgers about his life now. Just zero in common with anyone who covers that team. Probably. Very few of his teammates. Very weird dynamic. And they aren't fans, too. I can tell it you is, that. But you know what? Bring on the drama. It's almost inevitable that some sort of drama is going to hit the Vikings at some point. It was about this time last year that a number of quarterbacks went on the COVID list. I'm just waiting for something because it's too much kumbaya in Egan. It really is. But, Judd, you've covered this team long enough. I've been around long enough. Phil, you've been around long enough. Declan, you've been in town long enough. Something is going to happen. I am waiting for something to happen. It depends on what, though, because this team has been so drama-filled, right? Like, if a player gets arrested on Saturday night, like, is that, unless it's a star player, that's not drama because, like, we've seen that before. Like, it almost needs to be, I feel like like the Vikings invent new dramas, and those are when it's exciting. Beyond that, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's not surprising at all. So drama is defined, in my opinion, with the Vikings very differently from everyday dramas that that exist in most people's lives. Sure. I understand where you're coming from. That's fair. And what I'm pointing to might be more so in the regular season, not necessarily right now, like the Irv Smith Jr. injury, right, where he'll be out. They're saying they hope he's back for September 11th. I don't necessarily know about that. After he missed all of last year, all of a sudden he's going to be back on the practice field early September, then be ready to play on September 11th. Like, I'm just I'm not quite there yet, right? So there's going to be injuries, but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily drama. I'm just saying I've been around this team long enough where you figure something eventually is going to happen. But right now, like, they are in lockstep. It is, it is a good vibe in Egan, put it that way. Yeah. So uh, what are you hearing? You've been around practice, and you've got, you've got your connections – what are you hearing about you know, some of the guys that are flashing early here in Camp KOC? Well, Christian Darrisaw left tackle, 
I remember a year ago, you know, he was overcoming an injury situation. Like it was a rough, you know, beginning to his career last year. Well, Christian Derisaw is in a really good spot health-wise. He is off to a really good starting camp. Now I get it. We're talking about two practices in full pads. What are we talking here on Thursday? They're off today on August 4th. We're talking what? Six practices so far. It might be off by one, but it's not like, you know, there's a whole lot of sample size to go off of. But I can tell you from the inside, somebody told me Christian Derrissaw forming very, very well early here in camp. Cam Bynum at safety position, another name to keep an eye on, plus K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne has locked up that number three wide receiver job. There is no battle. The battle is thereafter. Does Albert Wilson somehow find his way onto the 53-man? I do think Amir smith Marset makes the 53-man. Does B.C. Johnson make the 53-man? But there is no battle for the number three wide receiver position. I think where I am at least curious to see what they do is tight end. Now, to go back to your point with Irv Smith out, Dukes, because of this, um, it was very clear in practice that uh, that the tight ends were used in the passing game quite a bit on Wednesday. And, you know, they basically have a group of t- tight ends, despite what Kirk may say, that are geared towards blocking, which is absolutely fine. But Irv Smith was going to be the guy uh, t- to catch passes. And I-, I think we touched on this on Bonus Scoop on Wednesday as well. But, you know, the decision that's going to have to be made is if Irv Smith might miss, you know, let's say the first game, let's say the first two games. Do you go out and look for a tight end who can catch? Because the guys in camp now, their strong suit is going to be blocking, which is absolutely fine. They are necessary, but I don't know if any of them even qualifies in the, let's say, Tyler Conklin territory at this point. Well, I will say I have heard good things about Zach Davidson, right? I mean, oftentimes guys take a leap that second year. You're no longer swimming after that rookie year. I talked to Zach the other day. He alluded to that. I saw Zach out at Woodbury High School a few weeks ago, training with Adam Thielen, with Alexander Madison, some other guys. He looked good then. I think Zach Davidson is off to a good start in camp. I can absolutely see Zach Davidson making the 53-man roster last year's what number, what, five? pick, mm-hmm. fifth round pick. Yep. I think it was a fifth round pick a year ago. So, I mean, that's another name to certainly keep an eye on. Now, Phil and Declan, I'll tell you guys, Declan, I guess you were part of the conversation on Wednesday. I told Judd on Wednesday, Phil, that, you know, you look at the list of free agent tight ends. There's Jimmy Graham, you know, Jared Cook, I believe is still out there. Eric Ebron is certainly out there. If you're making a list of, okay, the best free agent tight ends, Ebron would be somewhere near the top of that list. If not, Number one overall, I can tell you, as of less than 24 hours ago, the Vikings have not reached out to inquire about Eric Ebron. I'll continue to keep an eye on that situation, Judd. I hear you that eventually they could bring in somebody, but at least right now, there's no movement in that regard. Now, I know that this is a huge grain of salt here because, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach Davidson played Division II college football, right? Correct. Not not FCS, but Division II college football. Yep. Uh, but he he is six foot seven and had fifteen touchdowns his redshirt junior year, so so at six foot seven and a guy that again division two but in college had fifteen touchdowns means he could be a red zone like I'm not saying he scores ten or fifteen touchdowns in the NFL this year but could he be a guy that you put out there in certain red zone situations and just throw a pass to the back of the end zone and put those six foot seven arms up in the air Yeah, I I could see that as. As as a, as a viable uh, possibility for scoring points. Well, and he can run like I don't know what his forty time is, but there is some speed there. Heck, I noticed the other day walking off the practice field, Cousins with Davidson. It was a long chat as they walked all the way across. So there's some sort of bond already developing. That was among the questions through to Zach when I talked to him that day. I said, "Hey, what's the bond like with Kirk? I just saw you guys walking off the field." together he said they talk pretty regularly now maybe Kirk does that with a bunch of second and third stringers here early in camp you know maybe they connect on on a religious level I'm not quite exactly sure what it is but Zach did say he feels like he's got a pretty good you know relationship already with with the number one quarterback so I'm just telling you like if I was projecting a 53-man roster right now 
I'm telling you, Zach Davidson would be on my 53. Also, a little, rec- little reckless religious speculation right, right I there. Like that. I also, know. Davidson, an all-state punter and a punter at Central Missouri, too. So he's got some punting ability. So he might not have to be a red we, zone guy. He might be a, a coffin corner punter uh, when you we got need a punter. one in, in the 20, okay? We got a punter. <laughs> all right, Duke. So t- tight end I'm genuinely n- not concerned about. I think that's going to be fine. Let's go to where I think there has to be some genuine discussion, two padded practices in, and I don't care because reckless speculation and score north and our coverage, we pride ourselves on being ahead of the curve when it comes to real in-house problems with teams in this town, and this is a problem. Because we are the buzz factory. We are the buzz factory, which, by the way, is what teams do, too. Teams talk about these things as well. The film so far in the first two padded practices – which, by the way, you only have 11. So this is not like, well, you got 20 padded practices. This is not 1994. Um, the film so far on the center position is as unkind as we speculated it might be. Bradbury is regularly being trucked. Now, it depends on to what extent. Sometimes he's fully pushed back. Sometimes he sort of stumbles and and comes back. But anyway, that's not good. And if it was, you know, oh, my God, Garrett Bradbury was a pro bowler the last two years, and now he's struggling, I'd say, okay, who cares? But there's a large sample size here. More importantly, and this is this is something that you're going to see more of because it's where reckless speculation meets honest analysis, is we have gone from Austin Schlotman starting training camp as the backup center behind Bradbury to Chris Reed being shifted from guard to the backup and Austin Schlotman now at backup guard. The point being is the Vikings are quietly hoping to make inroads on we might have a problem here. Have you heard or are we on the precipice in your mind of calls being made to potential available centers, maybe even Phil Mackey's guy, J.C. Treader? Well, I mean, he's the one. I mean, is there anybody else out there that's a legit viable option? Like, it is J.C. Treader. I'm not quite sure it's anyone else. Quisi Adolfo Mensa has history with J.C. from their time in Cleveland together. If the Vikings were going to make that move, I truly believe it would have been done already. I have not heard of any recent steam, the Vikings, with J.C. Treader. I will tell you, Judd, you're right. The film is the film. Bradbury has struggled through the first two padded practices. I will tell you, though, that the plan all along was for Chris Reed to get center reps. Like, I could have told you that many weeks ago. Doesn't mean that he's going to ultimately be the number two center. Maybe Schlotman makes the team. But I'm just telling you, the plan all along was for Chris Reed, who is better at guard. Like, that's his spot. But right. you need to have some position flexibility as a backup offensive lineman. I'm just telling you, the plan all along mm-hmm. was for Chris Reed to get looks this camp at the center position. So what you saw on Wednesday should not be all that surprising. But I look at that early portion of the schedule. Kenny Clark Packers, Jordan Davis, Philadelphia Eagles. Like those first two games, Garrett Bradbury attempting to block those two guys would scare the you-know-what out of me if I were the Vikings. Heck, if you're a fan, it should scare the you-know-what out of you. So there is legit concern there. I'm not masking that. I'm just telling you, though, right now, they're just, at least on my end, there isn't J.C. Treader's steam. I think, I, and maybe I'm behind on this, but um, Tampa uh, Tampa Bay Center out for the season, what's the update there? Because I think if J.C. Treader has options to go and play for Tampa Bay and you know have Tom Brady's hands on the, the back of his keister for four or five months or... All due respect, Kirk Cousins. I mean, if if there's a if there's a choice there, if you're J.C. Treader, don't you go to Tampa? Yes, you do. I don't know what the update is. I believe is it more down there in Tampa? I did see that he went down. I may not even have the name correct. Jensen. But I did see the Tampa. Jensen. Ryan Jensen. Okay, and he went down. Is it Ryan Jensen? Maybe I'm even yep. guessing on that. But yeah, you're I did see that Tampa Center went down with an injury a few days ago, and right after that, a lot of people said, okay. J.C. Treader. Now, a few days later, Treader is still out there. So I wonder if it's what we alluded to going back a handful of months when we thought about the possibility, hey, the Vikings should add J.C. Treader. Is he healthy? Does anybody know if J.C. Treader truly still wants to play? And if he does, 
is his body allowing him to play? That is something I'll I'll dig into maybe even starting later today. But I'm just telling you, like, I've checked, not like on a regular basis, but a semi-regular basis, just wondering, right, because of the Bradbury concern. And I just haven't picked up on the Vikings having legit interest in Treader. Now, Phil, you've alluded to, you sense that Treader would have legit interest in signing here. Yes. Now, maybe that changes now with, with the Tampa situation, but that if the Vikings presented Treader a contract offer, you could absolutely see him coming here to play. Yeah. But I just don't think it's a two-sided you know, connection there right now. Maybe later, just like maybe later the Vikings had a tight end. But right now, they're just, there isn't that Treader steam. And I'll, it's, it's been a couple months. My latest info is probably two months old here, and so I could do some digging too. But the last I had heard, Treader is interested in playing, wants to play if he's going to play another year or two, wants to play for someone that has a chance to win some meaningful games. The money is important, but it's, you know, it's, he's not like desperate for money at this point in his life and in his career. The biggest unclear factor is the, is the knees. I don't, I don't, it, it, to, this is just educated speculation here, but it feels to me like teams are highly questionable about his health status and ability to, because it sounds like he basically didn't practice with the Browns last year, but he, but he did, he, he did get up for the bell for every game. And maybe, again, this is just my speculation, maybe teams are a little bit concerned that, man, we got a, another year into this thing, we need you to practice. We need you to be at training camp every day. So if, if you can't handle the workload with your knees and just integrating into a new offense and practicing, working with new teammates, then it's, it's, we can't sign you. So um, I don't know. That's kind of my latest info. I'll do some digging as well this week. Well, I'll continue. Just like you, I'll dig. You know, I also wonder, like, the Vikings would happily take Indomitian and Sue, another free agent still out there. They would happily take him today. They'd love to have him on the practice field tomorrow, but at a very specific price point. And what Sue is looking for, what the Vikings are willing to do, my understanding is the two sides aren't remotely close, hmm. right? So could it be a situation where the Vikings would take Treader, but they want him at a very, very low number? So that's just... That's reckless speculation on this Thursday on my part, not the Sioux part. I can tell you, like, that's from legit reporting. But, you know, recklessly speculating, maybe it's a situation where Treader wants a little bit more money than whether it's the Vikings or some other team is willing to pay right now. So who, who has impressed th- thus far? I believe it's eight practices now in Dukes, um, two in full pads. Who's impressed among the players, especially – a young group and a group that to a certain degree last year didn't get much of a chance. Well, I mean, it's Darisaw, it's Bynum, it's Osborne, it's Davidson to some extent. I've heard good things about Andrew Booth Jr. But I'm just telling you, like if I had to bet right now, yes, eventually Andrew Booth Jr. is a starting cornerback. I don't think it's September 11th. Like I think Cam Dantzler, who's also had his moments so far in camp, like, if I had to bet right now, Cam Dantzler is the opposite starting corner from Patrick Peterson, not Andrew Booth Jr. But, you know, there's some feistiness there. You know, he won't back down. Booth? There's a pretty cool personality there, too, with Andrew Booth Jr. Yeah, with Booth. You know, he like he wants to be an actor done playing. So he's got a lot of charisma, and that charisma shows up on the practice field. He's very confident. He is very confident, which is fine. For that spot, it's good. Hey, before we jump into uh, just emptying the scoop bag here, I think I know what the starting center's problem is, okay? And it's it's worked out well for Judd losing 40 pounds. But if you're a little bit uh, light on the football field getting forklifted, it can be a problem. So, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe guys like Garrett should wait till after their career to go on a weight loss journey. But Judd, tell yes. the audience how they can also lose weight. And, of course, once they do make that decision like I did and now down – 40 pounds and keeping it off. The suggestion here is Livia Weight Control Centers, which will do for you what it's done for me, which the most important thing and the easiest thing, the weight loss. But now, since I've lost that weight, I am keeping that weight off. And that is the biggest struggle in life. And I want you to join me now. Their Simple Start Plan, it's only $59. That's right. Personalized and guided support online or in person, whichever is most convenient for you. Call 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. 
L-I-V-E-A.com. If you're looking to trim those pounds and get back into those clothes, there is no better or easier way to do it. Livia.com. All right, Dukes, empty that scoop bag. What else you got for us today? Well, I know that Lament's name, the Brewers just designated for assignment, the former Padres pitcher who they just acquired in the Josh Hader trade. I know his name has come up before at Target Field. I just don't know, though. Let's say the Twins put the waiver claim in. Like, to me, there's going to be a team above them, pecking order-wise, that also puts a waiver claim in because you would have him for 2023. He's arbitration eligible. So even if you're a team that's not in contention right now, you could add a guy that as recent as 2020 was really, really good. Yeah, he's had his hiccups since then, but like you're looking for starting pitchers. Lament is fully capable. So like I would think a team, even if you're not in contention, put a waiver claim in. The money isn't ridiculous by any stretch, but I do know his name has come up before at Target Field. So I'll be curious to see if the Twins doing a waiver claim in. I feel bad for Alex Kirilov. He got another quarter zone shot, all-star break. So that's not the first quarter zone shot he's gotten this year to ease pain with the rest. He's already undergone one surgery last summer. I just wonder if at some point here, now maybe he can fight through the rest of this year, but is he looking at an even more serious wrist surgery at some point in the near future? Yeah. Like, so hey, real, the wrist real, just real, hasn't gotten any better. He gets the quarter zone shot mid July, and now it's 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 rearing its ugly head again two weeks later. Yeah. Um, just to jump in here real quick, so I saw this from uh, this is an article from MLB.com that kind of explained a while back the options that there's another procedure that could create some space in Kirloff's wrist where the problem is. But it's a more invasive surgery and involves shortening his ulna altogether by breaking and cutting out a section of the bone that would only come into play if things regressed to where he was before the cortisone shot or the surgery. Um, boy, I mean, that doesn't sound if that's the next option. Hey, we're going to go in there and uh, break part of your bone and then, uh, yeah, we're going to reattach some things and give you a bat in six months or something. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking at. I mean, yes, this next surgical procedure, Ooh. if it gets to that point, would be much more, hmm. you know, I don't want to say risky. Maybe that's not the quite right right term, but, you know, invasive, however you want to term it. But, yes, like the cortisone shot, another cortisone shot hasn't worked. So, like, I, I truly worry about Alex Kirilov. I do know the Twins kicked the tires on on adding an outfielder you know, before the deadline on Tuesday, like in their conversations with the Cubs, you know, they had interesting Givens and Robertson, but Ian Happ's name also came up in those conversations. Mm. Now, I did see the Red Sox designated Jackie Bradley Jr. for assignment mm. this morning. Now, there's some good money left there, but, you know, does he ultimately clear waivers, elect free agency? You know, could that be somebody that maybe the Twins – you know, could add if, if they need at least, you know, another outfield body, somebody that at least can perform at a high level defensively. The bat isn't there for, for Jackie Bradley Jr. But that'll be a situation I'll keep an eye on. No, no legit steam on that. I'm excited to see Mally tomorrow. Mally Barrios tomorrow at Target Field. Curious to see how they play against the Blue Jays. You know, the Tigers, that's great. You did what you had to do winning the series. Sure would have been nice to sweep the lowly Tigers, but like, you know, any of these pitching performances against the Tigers, it's hard for me to put a whole lot of stock into those because the Tigers lineup is as bad as it gets. So now, you know, you have the challenge of one of the better lineups, certainly the last couple months, you know, one of the, what, top five lineups in the game the last couple months with, with the Blue Jays. So certainly curious to see how the Twins perform the next four days at Target Field. Yeah. All right, there he is, Darren Doogie Wolfson, inside information. About Minnesota sports teams. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday, Dudes. We'll see you next week, man. Absolutely. And for the audience, I went deep on the Twins Wednesday with Judd. So that should be out there, whether, you know, audio form, YouTube, you know, wherever you want that. I had a bunch of insight on on how the trade dead played out for the Twins. Amen. All right, right. Dudes. All right, Dukes, great stuff. Um, thanks to our friends also at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for helping power these scoop sessions on a weekly basis. They've been around for over 100 years, powering businesses with risk management tools and resources, standing by businesses for over 100 years. 
You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, Before we move into a Twins discussion here, I'm going to go back to kind of the beginning of that scoop session. I love everything that's being said about Christian Derrissaw. I think we have a little bit of, not a little bit, a lot of offensive line post-traumatic stress syndrome around these parts. Mm -hmm. And uh, we saw Matt Khalil fizzle out after a year and be a bust as a top five overall pick. And so I think there's been some very guarded, cautious optimism among Vikings fans when looking at Derrissaw that, okay, uh, well, let's see what happens here. Okay, he had the he had the, the, the injury stuff last year, and then he didn't start for a few weeks, and it's been kind of, okay, one foot in front of the other, but he played really well down the stretch. He's a massive human being. He was a first-round caliber talent at a premium position. And a lot of different people, and we're going to get into more of this on on Purple Daily today too, are saying good things about his progression. So reason for offensive line optimism maybe, <laughs> even if the interior is still in major question. Yeah, and I, I think with Darisol, got off uh, on the wrong foot last year because he was basically drafted hurt, and and then it was a prolonged process. And I think part of the problem there is – the former coach didn't have a lot of patience for guys who were hurt and certainly not draft picks. And so I think there was the perception of, is he dogging it? Is he trying to get back as soon as possible? Blah, blah, blah. And that turns into, and I think it's fair questions among fans. Uh, But yeah, the, he is, um, he definitely gives them a chance to, I think be very solidified for an extended term here at the tackles. And we've discussed that before. That's incredibly important, but yeah, when I feel like the part of the problem with Zim was when you are, you know, questioning guys, benching guys, Dantzler, Derisaw, go down that entire list, that it creates doubt among the fan base about, well, did, did Rick draft a dud? And the fact that Rick and Mike didn't get along about the draft picks hurt. So, yeah, this this is definitely a new era and process as far as I think just out of the gate of coverage at camp, Phil, perception of players. Yeah. Yep. So I, I still, God, man, it's. It's not a shock to anyone that Garrett Bradbury has looked pretty bad in the first couple of padded practices. Right. And we've just been kind of wondering, what's the plan there? You, I guess we're just going just to bring him back and hope for the best. And oh, maybe there's still a move to be made. Maybe there's a – I know we focused most of our attention on J.C. Treader in that conversation with Doogie, but is there is there a trade to be made somewhere? Is there – but that's the thing. It's not like there's just – a bunch of starting caliber centers that are, you know, riding the bench across no, the NFL. Hell no. So. no. And the problem too there is so in Dukes, um in when Dukes brought brought up Indomic and Sue, right? You could sign Indomic and Sue before week one and plug him into a package of plays. He's a veteran. It would be absolutely fine. Center is a nuanced, you've got to be incredibly smart and updated. So like if you if you miss camp and you play that position, I don't think that you can just, like, step in and make yeah. the line calls. This, this is why the one thing that concerned me was there was clearly, and rightfully so, an emphasis put on making Kirk as successful as possible, right? Um, and I, I really think, it's not a shock, for your quarterback to be as successful as possible, yeah. that position has to be solidified and good, and that guy is an extension of the quarterback. So... That's why I was a little bit surprised that they didn't feel uh, a bit more proactive in a backup plan in case what is happening now, which, again, is not a small sample size. Um, if that was to happen, there's really not a great plan B right now. And, and I would hate to have the entire thing work, and then there's one spot that's weak, and that impacts Kirk, and here we go again as far as the what did you expect. Yep. Yep, so we'll see. There's still more padded practices, and I, I don't know that he would play in preseason games, but we will see. So, again, thanks to Doogie for his scoop sessions on a weekly basis here reckless on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. Uh, boys, yesterday on the Twins front, the perfect blueprint played out. Mm. Now, again, it was against one of the worst teams in baseball. Mm. The Detroit Tigers are a complete disaster, especially their offense. It is by far the lowest scoring offense in the league. I think they're averaging fewer than two, uh, three runs per game. I think it might be the worst in the in the history of a franchise that, if I'm not mistaken, has been around since the early 1900s. 
That's amazing. I think so that's bad. what I heard. Yeah, they're they bad. have exactly two guys in their lineup with a slugging percentage over 380, which is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, for context, the Twins lineup yesterday, everybody except for Leon and Contreras has a slugging percentage over 400. So just a stark contrast. But Tigers ineptitude aside, you had the perfect blueprint post-trade deadline play out yesterday where Joe Ryan goes five innings, just smooth sailing for the most part. Nine strikeouts through five innings only allows, uh, I believe, three base runners in the one run. And then uh, they have four innings to cover out of the bullpen. And instead of bringing in a couple of random slappies that are just kind of coin flips to give up a crooked number, they bring in Fulmer, noted late inning reliever the last couple of years, former rookie of the year as a starter. And he pitches a, a, a scoreless inning in the sixth. And then Thielbar comes in, and he's been banged up, but he comes in, and he looks great. And he's really your only lefty, I think, in the pen right now. And then you turn the ball over to these two lights-out flamethrowers in Duran and Lopez for the eighth and the ninth innings. And bam, you're going home with a victory, 4-1. to one. So, again, how does this formula hold up against playoff-caliber teams, the, the Rays if you meet them in the first round, or the Blue Jays, or if you get beyond the first round, the Astros or the Yankees? But your starting pitcher going five, maybe six, Turn the ball over to Fulmer or Jax or somebody, or maybe a, a lefty field bar. And then if you can just get it to the eighth, Duran and Lopez are two of the more lights-out options you're going to find in the American League. So, I mean, yesterday played out exactly how you wanted it to post-trade deadline, boys. And this gives you an opportunity now to be competitive, where, in my opinion, before the deadline, you weren't. You were you faking it. Like, like, you ran through the blueprint, but the pieces were all wrong, right? And the one thing that we saw yesterday that's now a possibility that I absolutely love is this. Lopez's presence allows Duran to be a true fireman. So, like, if he can pitch the eighth, great. But if you've got a tough seventh, like, let's say you're going through three, four, five, right? You bring him in now. And Fulmer takes the eighth. The point is you now, Rocco now has the the chips and the pieces to do things that previously, and again, I will say this, I don't believe it was all his fault, made him look stupid. Like previously, it was like, yeah, I'm going to bring Pagan in. You think Rocco Baldelli was like, I can't wait to bring Pagan in. Of course not, especially yeah, where were, they were doing like it. There were other viable options. That's what, right, exactly. But I do think that, that for all that we think, and to a certain degree, I think it's true, that Rocco is a puppet at times. Um I believe what he said, and it was sort of embarrassing at the time, but now it makes more sense. What he said when the Twins were playing the Brewers, and we, we might have talked about this a couple days ago, and he basically said, yeah, you know, we go to our bullpen, and they do, and we've got, we, we like to think that we've got like three guys, blah, 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 and we're all like, well, you don't. Um, I think that's as close as Rocco comes in Rocco's life to criticizing Falvey and saying, yeah. you've got to get me like, like I am literally trying to put these guys out there who have no shot. Well, guess what? Now you 1000% do. So yes, that blueprint, I don't care who it's against was refreshing to see. Yep. And I do th- I, now listen, you face that Yankees lineup and this virgin version of judge and some of the guys they have up and down that order. And even the best relievers are going to have a hard time getting some of those guys out. But this, it's It's been very rare in the last 20 years of Twins baseball where you feel very confident in the eighth and ninth innings. Like Joe Nathan, I, I felt pretty confident, but then you saw some of his playoff meltdowns. Certainly after Joe Nathan, like Matt Caps was at the back end at one point and John Roush and Glenn Perkins was really good, but he played on a bunch of bad teams. So we never really got to see him in, you know, these sort of postseason crisis situations. But I would put Duran and Lopez up against almost any lineup. And I'm not saying they're going to blow them away every time, but I would at least feel pretty good about, okay, the Twins have a 4-2 to two lead right. going into the eighth inning of a playoff game, and uh, Duran and Lopez are coming out back-to-back. Let's take our chances. You know? And even guys like Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, which was their you know, one-two punch out of the pen in 2019 and even into 2020, though they, they were solid. But I even think Duran and Lopez are both major steps up and and that's yes. just and if you look at just the raw numbers without the names and you saw Rodgers and Duffy's numbers in 2019 be like damn these guys must have been damn good relievers but Duffy kind of had a tendency to melt down in big moments Taylor Rodgers would always kind of walk the plank as well 
this is this this was my point of you bought yourselves a playoff win. And and by the way, if you get into game one and you have to use all three of these dudes, and there's a potential that maybe one of the two of them won't be available for game two, that's okay. Get the win now. And I think that's what that's what I'm most concerned with is like, well, we didn't want to throw Duran, so we wanted to throw Theobar because we want Duran available for game two. Worry about the then and now. Don't don't worry don't don't worry about the thing that's coming up after game one. Worry about getting the game one win. Don't overcomplicate things. How are we doing this? Has has the schedule come out yet? Are there off days built into these three game series, or is it just bang bang bang? Because it's there's no travel, right? I think it's bang bang bang. Yeah, I think it is. I think they're, they're trying to clear that first round out as quickly as possible. So I think it's just three consecutive days. Yeah, here we go. So. Yep. Playoffstatus.com. It looks like... Because it's the Rays right now for the Twins, right? As things currently stand. Yeah, It'd be the I Rays here. Did, oh, here we go. Game one, so it would be... Yeah, it's bang, bang, bang. Yep. So it would be Friday, October 7th, Saturday, October 8th, Sunday, October 9th, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And it's all home games. So so you're, this is... It, it's really interesting. If, if these series go three games... And they're close games. Let's say you win the first one, you lose the second one. You don't get a day off to rest your best relievers. There might be times where you use your best relievers in the first two games because they're close games, and then you got to make a decision. Do you run a guy right. out there three straight days, or do you say, hey, sixth best reliever guy, go get him? Well, no. <laughs> in but the if, decisive game three? If your starter is is good, you know, what, uh, what the Twins got against Houston with, what, Rios and... Maeda, if your starter is good, guess what he does? You decide at 2 o'clock he's going to go 6, at least 6, in game 1. Because then then you'll save your bullpen a bit. Um, so I would, definitely, I would definitely, if I had a hot hand in game 1, I would ride it as long as possible with, without a presumption that that guy had to come out after like the 5th. And so here, Royce kind of brought this up on our Wrap with Royce segment today. Joe Ryan yesterday. So he goes, again, it's against this atrocious lineup. And he goes five smooth sailing innings, one run, three base runners, nine strikeouts. He struck out half the batters he faced, basically. And uh, he only threw, like, was it 75 pitches? Yeah, 78, I believe. 78 pitches. Yeah. And so you think, okay, can't can't you get one more out of him today? Well, what they're trying to do with Joe Ryan, the most innings he's ever thrown in a full season was with Tampa's minor league pipeline. He he went up three different levels in 2019, and he threw 123 and two-thirds innings. Mm-hmm. The next season, he did not pitch in 2020. And then in 2021, between AAA for Tampa and then the five starts he made at the end of the year after the Twins traded for him, he pitched around 92 innings. So 92 innings last year, nothing in 2020, a career high at any level of professional baseball of 123 and two-thirds. He's already at 90 and two-thirds innings for this season, and they have two more months of regular season baseball and then October. So I don't have a huge problem with, on the surface, it's like, guys, come on. It's the Tigers. Would I have left him out there for 12 more pitches? Yes, against that lineup. These aren't super high-pressure pitches you're throwing. Yeah, But I get what they're doing. They they don't want him throwing 170 or 180 innings, going 50 innings beyond anything he's ever pitched before, and then the playoffs hit. Sure. So, But at the same time, like you got to make the playoffs first, so they're constantly balancing this. And real quick on the other starters, too. So Sonny Gray, you know, this is Sonny Gray's like 10th or 11th year in Major League Baseball. His first couple years, he was a horse. He threw 219, 208 innings back in, in 2014-15, which seems like a lifetime ago in terms of like pitching, handling, and strategy. Right. <laughs> but lately, here are the innings he's thrown. 2017, 162, 130, 175 in 2019, all-star season in Cincy. 56 in the pandemic year. 135 last year in Cincinnati, and he's up to 74 right now. And so he's another guy. It's been seven years since he's thrown anywhere near 200 innings in a full season. And even Tyler Malley, the the, the guy they just acquired via trade, 
180 was his peak, peak innings of his career last year with Cincinnati. He's already at 104 and a third. So some of this is like I have to check myself. And it was five or six years ago that you would look and say, yeah, 200 innings is still the standard. It is not anymore. Baseball has changed so much in the last five or six years. Right. But this is why once you get to the playoffs, in my mind, it changes completely. Like, this is why you don't apply. I, I actually don't have a problem with applying this for the rest of the season. Uh, where I have a problem applying this and, and what the Twins did against the Astros, which I will never understand, is they applied the same logic to playoff games when they had two starters who were pitching really well. Now, if they struggle, yeah. totally get that, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you're going to go three, potentially three consecutive very high stress, high pressure games in three days. I think you need to sit down beforehand and not j- just say, well, our rules still apply. I think you need to take a long, hard look at how you potentially tweak those rules to get through those three games. Yep. Yeah, there there needs to just be a little bit of, I think in general you would say, okay, going in, based on the numbers, based on whatever other factors, the yellow light is five innings twice through the order. Right. But there is leeway to go through the yellow light for another inning if it's been a smooth sailing five or if you know the opposing hitters look like they're just not picking the ball up today. So there, there needs to be some level of maybe 75% of your decision is decided at 2 o'clock. But the other 25, that's why you pay Rocco seven figures. And if he can't handle that, then we'll, you know, bring somebody else in for 2023. So, But again, like it played out perfectly last night or yesterday afternoon. And uh, if they can replicate that against some of the better teams that they're going to be facing down the stretch and the division opponents that they're trying to to ward off, then it was a it was a perfect trade in that regard. So, anyhow, any other twin thoughts from you guys before we get to old tweets exposed? Yeah, I, I got a. I'm at the game tonight. Got the Cole Swindell concert. I'm, I, I just are you I, sticking around? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, is that tonight? Yeah. I was gonna go. Well, all right. See you later. I might stay uh, home and watch now. I, uh, I, I, you can I, leave before the concert. I know, but there's gonna that. be a lot of people there now. It's gonna be it, okay. It, the parking you and, ramp might get you and full. Ross Brendel. Ross, I don't Ross like was that. just telling me this. Uh, like he, he wants them to play the Royals 81 games a year, so there's no one at Target. Oh Field. no, no, no! I like Toronto. Just leave Cole Swindell home. I love it's the gonna Jays be pack- coming in, but it's going to be packed regardless. Like, so no, you, you don't, be a like, bunch you don't of want the dude bro. In. You don't want the dude bro country fans exactly. like me that are going to be exactly. there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Pack it with baseball fans. Joe, what's your Mount Rushmore favorite country artist? Well, I love old school country. Cash. Do you? Oh, old school country is fantastic. Th- this new wave stuff, I. I it's basically you're pop. out on you're out on the pop. Country, it's poppy. Well, it's it's okay. I don't want those people in my stadium though. <laughs> those people. I don't want those people. <laughs> those people in my what, stadium. People who wear flannels and jeans. No, I'm talking about like, the, I'm talking about the actual singers. I don't want the singers in my stadium. <laughs> What's wrong with Cole Swindell? Cole Swindell's fine. There's nothing wrong. with I'll him. take Greg Swindell. Um, <laughs> Cash is up there. Love Johnny Cash. Great stuff. Can you name three like? other country artists? <laughs> well, who else do do I like old school country? Kenny Chesney's How about here Loretta Lynn? No. Loretta Lynn. No. Yep. Loretta Lynn's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Tammy Wynette. Ches- Chesney, no way. No. Restless no, no. Heart. Blackhawk. Kenny Chesney, you can have. I, I, number, <laughs> the Chesney. number one appointment uh, weekend viewing on my streaming services, I got to watch the Shania Twain documentary on Netflix. I, I love me some oh, Shania we've been, Twain. Oh, we want to watch that too, yeah. for sure. Love me some Shania. Shania Twain, yeah. Grew up on, grew yeah, up on she's Shania. talented. Come on. I'm love not going to lie. You know what, though? I don't want her target field. Come <laughs> not unless it's her own show. I don't want her target field post game. That's absurd. Joe. The post game thing is a high wire act, man. It is. I don't like it. You know, you just know, even though this is like a 640 start, this is going to be like a four and a half hour affair. And he's scheduled to play, I think it's a 75 minute yeah. set. So, like, there's, a, there's a, a curfew, though. Isn't there some, what, what if the game, and I get extra inning games are pretty, no. like you got to run around second base, so it doesn't take long to end these games, but no curfew. So they, he, they the game could go till 1130 and then he, he plays till, till one o'clock or something. Yeah. He goes late as he wants. Okay. That'd be great. I remember one time during the, I, I used to have a condo downtown Minneapolis, kind of by the post office down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the All-Star, 2014 All-Star week, yep. they lit some fireworks. I was dead asleep yes. in bed. Like we had a long day doing shows and we were at the convention and stuff. And I was dead asleep. And my window faces at the time, it faced the Hennepin Avenue Bridge and the mm-hmm. Mississippi. 
I legitimately, for 10 seconds getting up out of bed, thought there was a terrorist attack happening downtown Minneapolis. Just bam, bam, bam. bam, 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 bam. Had to have been like 1230 a.m. Uh-uh. MLB. A lot of complaints. A lot of old people. I remember seeing, I remember the the complaints, but guess what? They didn't care. Yeah. I'm good on that. No curfew. So, all right, it's time uh, for the weekly trip through the Twitter archives here. Declan goes back and finds old tweets exposed every Thursday on Mackie and Judd. This one's presented by our friends at Valley Park Medical Clinic. Okay, guys, if you're having problems with ED, Mm -hmm. no need to be ashamed. Okay, this is a safe space to talk about those problems. Valley Park has surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive treatments that can help you get back on track in that area of your life. The Valley Park Medical Clinic team is highly trained, and they'll work with you in a discreet manner and make you feel right at home so you can ask any question in a professional and confidential environment. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. All right, Dex, what do you got for us? All right, so because the trade deadline happened, um, I figured uh, who are some, like, obscure twins prospects that Mackie, Judd, and Declan maybe uh, fell in love with at one time. So I figured I'd bring that to the fold. And and we have universal takes on one player. So, start with Phil Mackie. Is it an Arcia take? Nope. Oh, Hosmil Pinto, Pinto take. Dude. May 28, 2014. Hosmil Pinto has started once in the past 12 days. He homered in that start. Meanwhile, the Twins are averaging three runs per game in May. You are uh, pushing the Hosmil Pinto agenda here yeah listen when you're scoring when you can't score runs you might as well try something okay what was this what was the time stamp here? this was uh may 28th 947 p.m 2014 okay in 2013 hosmil pinto you hit 342 for the twins with a 963 ops and then at triple a that year he had an 833 ops so he was to that point he was an offensive option he played, and then in, he was uh, terrible after yeah, that. He, it did end quickly. <laughs> looks like he played in about sixty some games after this tweet. So yeah, uh, and then he went to Milwaukee, and he's basically been out of baseball for a long, six years. A long time. But I stand by the try something, okay. try something, try something, just try. You know, Judd Zolgat had a pretty similar take. The same date, actually. Uh, Maurer's struggles are overshadowed this Pinto storyline, which yep. I see being brought up by some ridiculous that he can't get in the lineup. Yep. That's Look our, at that, see? Yep. Look he at was, you two working together. He was here. hitting, man. Boy, did we tweet that on the same day? Same day. Same day. About 20, 30 minutes <laughs> apart. You guys must have. I bet this there is was in the a, middle of a. This is in the middle of. Okay, what time is this? 10, oh, 10 30 p.m. So, okay, I thought it was in the middle of our show there for a second. Might but. be a good mate. Phil, maybe go look at May 29th's episode of Mackie and Judd. If was that was that a thing yet? Was Mackie and Judd a thing in May of 2014? Or yeah, is it still with Royce? It was like no three. We, I think we were three months into Mackie okay, and Judd so here. I bet there's a lead talker in the opening bell of Hosmil Pinto. Hosmil Pinto, play him, Gertie. What the hell? Wouldn't be shocked at all if that that exists. All right. All right, uh, me, I also have some Hosmil Pinto takes, but also just some embarrassing uh, Twins prospect takes. Uh, September 1st, 2014, Pinto, actor, and Hicks uh, should be fun to watch with the Twins, as in I think these were September call-ups. Yep. Uh, AJ Actor, Phil, is I think who I'm referencing here. I had to look him yes. up. Uh, just a guy who was a body, pretty much. He, like, just a guy. Just yep. a, probably a dude who like carved up some strikeout numbers at Rochester there? Red Wings. I'm sure this if it's September 1st, 2014. Right. So I'm sure all three of these guys were, you know, September call-ups or Declan was sipping some twins optimism. And just wait till Parmalize back. Um, so, yeah. So I, I was also on the Hosmil Pinto, but also the AJ Actor train as well. Okay. I just found something amazing here. So, okay. This is from the Pioneer Press. Actually, the Pioneer Press wrote about this. This this link is actually from Jim Mandalero, who used to cover the Rochester Red Wings for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester, New York. Yep. This is from June 17th, 2014. So just like a few weeks after Pinto must have been called up at some point and then sent back down. So this was a whole conversation. And uh, here's the article. Glenn Perkins, former Rochester Red Wing and current Twins closer, didn't hold back when asked about Pinto's catching ability during an interview Monday on 1500 ESPN Radio's Mackie and Judd show. Pinto was demoted to the Red Wings last week in part because of his poor defense. Here's the quote from Glenn. Mind you, Glenn was the closer of the Twins. And he he was, Glenn's the best, man. Glenn was a weekly guest with us. He hosted the Score Twin show with us a few years ago. 
He's a long ways away, to be honest with you, Perkins said. Ball's close to the zone, ball's below the zone. I guess I don't really know about blocking and all those things, but his pitch framing, he's got some work to do. I don't know what level he's at, but he's surely not at the big league level as far as catching for me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, we answered the question. And then he adds, I know he's young. He came up through the minor leagues fast. He's always been able to hit, so I don't know if he ever really focused on the defensive stuff. Hopefully, while he's down there, he'll learn that defensive side a little bit better. He's not big. He's not a big league. He's got a big league bat. That was the toughest part about him going. He can hit major league pitching. It's a tough spot for him. It's too bad. That's how the game works. Uh, he can hit, but that's not what it's all about. You've got to be able to do the other things, especially a young guy like that. You can't be a twenty-five-year-old DH. He's got to learn how to catch. <laughs> wow, Perky! I don't remember. This. I re- I now now that you oh, bring man. that up, I vaguely recall that. Wow, because I think we. We were in studio, like, <laughs> mouth agape, like, oh, my God, he's saying this. Dude, that is amazing. So All there right. you go. And that's that's why Hosmil Pinto never became a thing in the major leagues. Anyhow. Hosmil Pinto takes. I don't know. I think I think the Hosmil Pinto takes probably tie for the win there. Yeah, it's just a universal tie. Why isn't he up? Three weeks later, Glenn's like, this is why. Yeah, because he's not good <laughs> catching. I, I do think that if you go back and look, I think the Mackey and Judd Twitter accounts are probably way more. Um, th- there's a much bigger indictment on Oswaldo Arcia because we were both. I remember doing so a show I. where we were both like, "What are you doing? The guy's got all this power. What are you?" And, and I recall that being a little bit more extended. So I think our guiltiest of twins takes on a prospect is probably Arcia of all time. I still stand. For Oswaldo Arcia, he is not very old. He's in his prime. He's 31 he's years old. He's been playing in the Mexican uh, league these, for a while, right? These, yeah, he. With well, Vargas? I think he might be winding down now, but he did play over the winter <laughs> in the Venezuelan Mexican League, and he slugged 471 with a 441 on base percentage. Guys, he had a 913 OPS in the Venezuelan Winter League, and just a couple of years ago, yep, he played in like. Two or three different foreign leagues, and he had an 815 OPS, 16 homers in 103 games, uh, even stole seven bases. Okay, so there's there's still a guy within in there. three years. Miguel Sano will be in one of those leagues. Yeah, I could see that probably. For sure. He I could see him mashing in, in the KBO. Oh, did he be a great Korean baseball organization? Player? Oh, with a Put flip him in the KBO with a bat bat flip? flips, just hitting bombs. Yeah, dude, that's not yeah, a bad probably. idea actually. Mm. Yep. So, all right, there's your Reckless Speculation Thursday, your old tweets exposed here on Mackie and Judd today. Speculation. And we continue with Judd's camp notes over on Purple Daily, which you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts and the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Thanks to everyone who's clicked subscribe on the Score North and Purple Daily YouTube channels. We appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow. Mackie and Judd.